The Holy Gospel is written in the 24th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke, beginning at the 24th verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled, and why do ye thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be full, fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. This is the gospel of the Lord. We sing our offertory hymn number 113. Oh, sorry, I'm going to do my sermon first. <laughs> Please do be seated. <laughs> We've had a busy week. I speak in the name of the Father, Son, and the risen Christ. Now clearly, without the resurrection, there would be no Christianity. Jesus would have been regarded in history as a dead pretender. But the disciples were all to be left in no doubt that he indeed was the living Lord, the center of a new creation, a new world which was going to make everything different and better. It was necessary for him to invoke them with the passion and conviction to spread the word of God. They were terrified, the scripture says, and affrighted and supposed they were seeing a spirit. With these short and yet powerful brushstrokes, Luke paints a picture of the disciples' reaction to Jesus appearing among them. That terse description, they were clearly startled, seems reasonable enough given the circumstances, even with Jesus' familiar opening words, peace be unto you. Although those reactions from others following the crucifixion must have become all too familiar to Jesus, it seems every time he approached people that knew him, even those who knew him well and were closest to him, like Mary Magdalene, it would have been the same kind of terrified and fearful reaction, his friends cowering in fear before what they were certain could only have been a ghostly apparition. I think we can fully understand their reactions. I doubt any of us here have ever truly seen a ghost, a seemingly rare experience. Although I gather Ghost Hunters was quite a popular TV series with a film crew going to places where ghosts or other spirits were thought to dwell. 
I don't think there was ever any truly convincing footage obtained, but I stand to be corrected. The disciples, along with his mother and Mary Magdalene, had seen Jesus die in the cruelest and most horrific way. Not a hanging or an execution, but a death deliberately contrived so that the maximum pain and torment could be inflicted over a prolonged period. A horrible and a meaning death. A death clearly designed by authorities to keep others in order. The body of Jesus had been taken down from the cross and the disciples would have at least heard, if not seen for themselves, that his body had been properly prepared for burial and buried in a cave. For all Jesus had told them about the fulfillment of scripture, seeing him now in their midst was more than they could believe. Were they losing their minds in some sort of collective hysteria or was this a ghost? It must have been difficult, if not impossible, for them to believe that this was really Jesus back with them again, to all appearances alive and well. And it's worth reflecting that people over the past 2,000 years have had similar trouble believing that Jesus rose from being so clearly dead. Creative attempts are made to explain the events away. Indeed, even some senior Anglican bishops had difficulty with the resurrection. Dr. David Jenkins, Bishop of Durham in the 1980s, publicly expressed doubts that the resurrection was literally physical, controversially comparing it to a conjuring trick with bones. Uh, yes, his resignation was duly called for, but not obtained. Was it all smoke and mirrors? At one end of the spectrum are those who claim that Jesus was so godlike that he couldn't really have died. How can you kill God is their question, and that it only appeared that he died. At the other end of the spectrum are those who deny Jesus' death and resurrection on the grounds that Jesus was completely human, that his death must have been somehow faked. The very presence of this particular passage in Luke's Gospel hints strongly that these kinds of denial stories were already widely circulating in the immediate decades following Christ's earthly ministry and his death and resurrection. So Luke is careful to record the details, especially of Jesus calming their fears by saying, touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Perhaps some of them fully expected to put their right hand through this apparition, but they were able to feel for themselves the scars, the holes, and his warm, alive flesh. With joy, wonderment, and still disbelief, they therefore marveled at his appearance. Then comes the most startling detail of all. Have you got anything to eat? Jesus asks them and he ate a piece of fish and honeycomb in their presence, as Luke reminds us. The disciples were made witnesses to Jesus eating, and that is important because our understanding, then as now, is that ghosts do not eat. These events, and especially the detailed recording of them by Luke, serve a major purpose, to affirm to the disciples, to affirm to us, the reality of Jesus' resurrection. And this passage of scripture points to ordinary human actions, seeing, talking, touching, sharing food, connecting an extraordinary event with the lives of everyday people.
The events that took place after the crucifixion stunned the disciples involved and more importantly served as a proof of his claimed divinity, living proof that this was indeed their Jesus, once dead and now truly alive again and back in their midst. And what a wondrous and necessary proof of life this was. The most simple act of Jesus being with his friends in person, talking with them, letting them touch him and eating with them, it was his presence among them which would prepare them to receive the Holy Spirit, to undertake their great task of propagating and founding the Christian religion. And it is here in these moments that Jesus provided the ultimate definition of what following him meant that living out faith in him was to be done in community, in togetherness with him and with each other, but not only in proving that he was alive and with them, there is an action and a reaction taking place. The disciples feed Jesus, and then Jesus proceeds to feed them with the word in scripture. This feeding of the disciples by the fed Jesus serves to provide both the cause for his appearance with them and the meaning and purpose that was to be served. Jesus explains to the disciple that his coming to dinner that with them was not merely to prove the reality of his resurrection, but that there was a much greater reason and a purpose behind it all to fulfill scripture. He not only opened their minds to understand the scriptures, but also pointed out how what he had said when with them before about everything written about him in the law and the prophets must be fulfilled and was indeed being fulfilled by his very presence with them. For not only was Jesus' resurrection real, but it was anticipated and, as we know, foretold in Scripture. There was a purpose to it all. That repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in the Messiah's name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, the Scripture says. You are witnesses to these things, Jesus told these disciples, and tells us today. We, in turn, in our turn are also witnesses to the events of Jesus' death, resurrection, and reappearance. We are witnesses to the continuing presence of Christ among us, proclaiming, peace be with you. We are conscious of the transformation that Jesus makes to our lives, the joy and lovingness and enhanced perceptiveness it brings to this world where Jesus lived and taught and died, and of the vista it opens up of his kingdom which is not of this world. We too can touch Christ through touching others. In his presence with us through the Holy Spirit, he continues to bring us all the peace he promised. He lives. Christ is real and right for our world and the good news he brought and continues to bring, the good news of God's grace and forgiveness are real. The risen Christ is alive in us and because he lives, we may share in holy communion today with him. And in this Easter week, we too can reach out and touch him and all be witnesses to the momentous event that happened. Amen. <laughs>